Welcome to Armchair Preaching, a podcast of the First Presbyterian Church in Lakeland, Florida. This is a podcast about God's Word, the beauty of the gospel, and what it takes to communicate that truth to others. I'm your host, Pastor Zach McGowan, and on today's episode, I'm joined by Pastor John and Pastor Rebecca as we discuss this week's sermons in our series in parables, and we talk about some of the most challenging aspects of our preaching ministry. We hope you enjoy the conversation. Well, hello again, everybody. Welcome to Armchair Preaching, episode number 56. And once again, we are joined by Pastor Rebecca Mim. Thanks for coming in, Rebecca. Hello. It's always more fun when there's three of us. It is. Um, I, you know, I love you, John, but it just, you know, it's just yeah, you and me yeah, talking. It's, yeah. like, it's, like a, it's like a game of tennis sometimes. But Dynamic changes with a third person. You're it right. It does. The dynamic changes. And for the better, for the better here. Yeah. And uh, so really glad that you guys are here. Um, we are still in the series on parables. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, just we're kind of winding down. We're on yeah, the back side the end, of yeah. it. We're on the back side of it. A couple more weeks until... The first week in Lent, and then we'll start a brand new series. I'm not going to tease that out just yet, uh, primarily because I've forgotten what it is. I know it's something really good, though. We talked about it, but uh, I'm still fo- I'm focused on parables <laughs> yeah, yeah. right now. So it will, it'll be a good Lenten series yeah. to really go inward. Inward. Let's put it. It was an yeah, inward right. focus that's on right. a fast pace of life. We're going to just deal with some ways of centering ourselves as a way to prepare for all the Easter See, is about. I knew you would remember, John. Yeah. I'm not even, you notice I didn't, I didn't get the title or anything like that either. Yeah. just gave you just a little, it's yeah. more introspective. Just a, just a teaser, just a teaser. This week, uh, Pastor Rebecca was in Vine. Pastor John was in uh, the Sanctuary and Classic Services. Mm-hmm. But uh, before, you know, some of the things that, uh, that we talked, that you guys talked about this week, there were some, there were some difficult aspects for different reasons. And mm-hmm. so, one of the things I just wanted to kind of kick us off with is, you know, we have to deal with, uh, uh, John, you and I talked about last week our philosophy of preaching and we preach what's in front of us yeah. we preach the passages that are in front of us we we so there are times when the passages give us things that are difficult to yeah. deal with and and uh, some preachers ignore those they just go right around them they don't deal with them i don't think either any of us really takes that approach we we preach the scripture that's in front of us. So I want to ask, what aspects do you find really most challenging about uh, preaching various scriptures? Maybe there's a particular, you know, kind of a theological premise that when that when that is is brought up in the passage, that gets difficult. Or there's a particular story or types of stories that are harder to preach for you. Are there ones that are more challenging? Rebecca, are, do you find any aspects where you're just like, man, this is? You mean generally speaking in yeah, scripture? Yeah, just a challenge to preach. You uh, know? The those that lead to questions about election. Okay. Um, yeah. yeah. See that they're very theological. Yeah, for sure. Mm. And there are many, many passages yeah. that lead in that direction. Uh, and I know that after the service, um, if get... I don't have somebody in the congregation ask me questions, I will have family members who will then come to me and grill me and grill me. And they're and coming with the questions of it, free will to, versus right. de- determinism, hard determinism, soft determinism, that type of thing. Right. So how do you deal with those when you're when you you know you're going to be hitting an election predestination passage? What is there a is there is there a different gear you have to go into when you're prepping or or delivering? It would depend on the passage, uh, but normally when it comes to discussions, I recognize both aspects of it and recognize that scripture supports. 
um, both aspects and then tried to answer the question coming from that angle of recognizing there is a reason why people have this um, tension and and argument <laughs> yeah um and so i just go from there it, it depends with what i'm working with and who i'm talking to and the passage that they're bringing before me but it always ends up going wider and and having to recognize both sides and then answering the question from there yeah that's that i think for presbyterians especially because we um we're okay living with the tension that yes we yeah. believe in mm-hmm. election and predestination ultimate sovereignty of god but there are also passages that talk about free will and choice and, and things yeah, like that. Yeah. We're, we're more apt to live in that. T- I Maybe this is just bias on my part. I feel like we're more apt to live in that tension. Well, mm-hmm. I still remember the Dr. Watkins at Princeton Seminary. was. We were on the, on the class on the theology of Calvin's. He said, if I could just summarize Calvin's you know, message when it comes to this topic here, is it's, there's nothing that you can do to earn your salvation, and you better get busy doing it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the thing. I mean, we – So we, that's that tension. We live with that human responsibility and mm-hmm. God's sovereignty. I mean, we talk about it in, in, in seminary classes, in Reformed seminary classes all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't, there are some preachers and, 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 you know, church streams that just say, no, 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 we're just going to err wholly on one side and just kind of ignore the other. So yeah, that's, man, that's a tough one to preach on for sure. Because you know you're gonna, get, <laughs> you know you're gonna get talked about, yes. talked to about afterwards. Yes. What about you, John? What are the things that really are challenging to you when you get to a scripture? I think that for me, the, the, it's really a question. It's, it's not so much about a particular doctrine or particular particular scripture. It's when when I know that the topic of of the day is something that requires a kind of a mental shift on the part of the people who are who are hearing it that we've been thinking about it this way but really the biblical way of thinking about it is this way because now because at, at one level you can just you can teach on on a topic and you can just sort of so I didn't notice that and that's a, just a an aha moment but when I'm when I'm give you a good example when the, the Philippians 2 moment um, which it talks about you know uh, thinking about the other person more than you think about yourself well, that that seems almost impossible on on the one hand, and but but on the other hand, the the mental shift is like, well, actually, if you were thinking more about the other person, if you have that outward focus, and God's calling all of the people to have that same outward focus, what ends up happening is that everybody's got an outward focus towards each other, and the mm-hmm. whole community just has a whole different personality. It's just this mental shift of if you're pouring out constantly, we're like the conversation we had this morning at, at staff is that it's not just about on discipleship. We had a conversation about discipleship. That's a mental shift there. It's not just, you said it well, Rebecca, it's not just about receiving something and growing in my faith personally. It's about having responsibility for the gospel and the transmission of that gospel from one person to another. Right. Um, and so that's a mental shift as well. I find those harder. Uh, to uh, find, I found myself working harder because I'm trying to get concepts yeah. that will cause that shift to take place. Well, and you're also – I think probably, too, you're thinking that this is an ingrained kind of right. idea. You know, I, um, talking about the conversation we had today, you know, I, I was thinking, you know, so often we boil down discipleship to church participation. Yeah. And in my in my head, I, I just think, man, that's just not how Jesus thought about it. The church participation is important, but that's not came what came out of it. Right. Yeah, that's that's an outgrowth of your discipleship and not equal to it. So, yeah, the concept things, because you feel like you have to spend so much time breaking down the misconceptions to yeah. – mm-hmm. 
and then pouring in the conceptions. Yeah, that's well, I, the, even the transactional society we live in, and trying to teach the concept of grace. Oh my gosh! So you, you, you <laughs> which is so basic, right? It's very basic. Yeah. But you, mm-hmm. you know, how do you how do you get that across conceptually? So I found myself challenged by 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 that See, again. I can that say that conversation it. would eventually lead to election. It's right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's right. It's right. <laughs> all connected. It's all get together. See, that's what that's what's so great about the our reform tradition. Well, I can smell it from a mile away. It's coming. <laughs> that's right. How about you, Zach? What do you? Well, for for me, I mean, I I give an amen to those. Those are all. The, the, those can be super challenging for me. I think when I get into the text, where there are, um, I from a text level thing, I, I start thinking about this. It's like at a text level when there are images or metaphors that require just a lot of explanation, mm-hmm. and then when you have. Because this, because the, the 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 biblical witness and, and Jesus as a preacher teacher did not care about mixing metaphors, mixed metaphors all the time <laughs> in one passage, and then so you, like in in the parables it really happens, right? They'll be talking about one image and then he'll immediately shift to another image, and that that seems to have absolutely <laughs> no connection whatsoever to one another, and to get the 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 congregation to one unpack an image that maybe they're unfamiliar with. You know, like one of the ones that we've been going through a lot, we, we keep getting, um, you know, we're talking about vineyards and, and those sorts of things. And, and they're living in, in a very, a very agricultural agrarian society. And we don't. Right. So you're already having to unpack that. But then when Jesus or another biblical writer shifts the metaphor in another direction, I'm like, okay, how do I make that connection without it going like really off the rails? Do I ignore the second metaphor? Do I try to make some sort of a oh, yeah, artificial yeah. connection between the two metaphors, or is there an actual connection I'm not, I'm not, I'm not getting at? Those are the ones that really um, grind the gears, so to speak. In the preparation process, it takes a lot longer to unpack those metaphors. But again. Man, whenever you come across a predestination passage or an election passage or, or you know, the concepts that we're talking about, that those are all I – mean, very rarely is preaching and prepping to preach an easy business. Right. Um, there are times where it's easier. Mm-hmm. But it's never easy. You know, it's like we talked about last week, John. Because if you take it seriously, you do the hard work, okay. right? And uh, somebody, this, somebody once said that there's a reason they call it delivering – yeah, a sermon. All the stuff that it takes to get to that point, and, and this is somebody who appreciated a childbirth as a metaphor as well, <laughs> and said it's like it, all the pain and the preparation that it takes, to you and the work that it takes to do that, you yeah. are delivering something. Well, and that brings us to this this week's uh, passage. You know, we were in Matthew twenty five uh, one through thirteen. Um, lots of interesting imagery in the passage itself, yeah. and then it led to some very. Uh, incredible theological discussions so this week talking about the preparation of the arrival of the bridegroom so so john if you just real quick give us a thumbnail sketch of what the parable was the actual content of the parable and then we'll kind of dig in how you guys both approached it um there's a wedding a, to take place, and there are um, bridesmaids, and they have oil uh, and lamps to be used for the parade through the village. And the groom, bridegroom is late. Uh, they all fall asleep. He, cuts to, he The announcement comes. He's showing up. Uh, they're out of half of them are out of oil because they didn't bring it with them. The other have the oil. They get into the the party. The ones searching for the oil finally get their oil. They show up to the party, and they're not let in to the party. 
You're not. They weren't ready. They weren't ready, so yeah. it cost them the party. So that was the that was the parable. the 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 point was very very uh, simple to make. You both made the point. Uh, Jesus, the bridegroom, is coming again. Be ready. I mean that. Yeah. I mean, if that is that an accurate assessment yes. of what you both said, I think mm-hmm. is. Yeah. But very different approaches. I thought it was really interesting how you both approached the the topic uh, of of this uh, this this parable. And so I wonder, you know, was there a point, Rebecca, that you were looking at this parable and you're thinking to yourself, okay, um, I'm really excited to bring this out of this parable and and the application of this parable. Was there something that you're just like, man, this is so cool. I want to, I can't wait to share that. No, just the main three points. Um, Jesus is coming. We don't know when. Be ready. Uh, and just to make sure that those were hammered. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, and really, I thought one of the things that was cool about your, your – I, I was in Vine, so mm-hmm. I was watching it in real time. And, uh, you know, you really unpacked the the readiness kind of – because you both mentioned that this is – the type of wedding celebration they're having is very different. Mm-hmm. But then you tied it to what wedding celebrations we would actually be more familiar with. Imagine a bridesmaid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I thought that was bride really didn't cool. show up or the, the, didn't the, get the, the preacher right. wasn't ready. Yeah. yeah. Had yeah. every opportunity. Right. Yeah. Had it wasn't like out of the blue. They knew it was happening. Um so I thought you did a great job with that. And I love the the one of the things again we've talked about the advantage of vine is you actually get the little you actually have the visual imagery that you can show like a lamp yes. the lamp that time yeah. um, have you guys ever been to a wedding that was or seen celebrations that were similar to that I know you've been around Rebecca different places have you ever seen anything that was remotely like that or been in villages where that was a case no not where they paraded through the village but after the service somebody came and showed me on their cell phone being in India yeah and having the whole crowd go you know through the village and dancing around and having a celebration so that was pretty interesting have you well when we were in italy uh in the small towns in italy they would do similar in the smaller towns not like in rome or so but like in some of the smaller towns they would i mean the whole place would shut down and uh we would we would be stuck in traffic so we're like why can't we get through here and they'd be like and and after the fact i I was reminded of the scene from the godfather part two do you you guys know when when Okay, never mind. But for those at home, there's a big scene where uh, Michael is getting married in a in a small town in Sicily, and it's a very they're all they coming the out parade. the big parade yeah, and nice. bands and the whole nine, then a big feast afterwards. I think we should do weddings like that now. I agree. I, I, I like well, the, I like the tradition that's in this passage. Yeah. Actually, in Vietnam, um, I was in a wedding party, and we we took little carriage rides around, um, and people came out and. I was in the first carriage, even though I wasn't the bride, um, and we just pretended like we were famous, and we were waving to people, um, but we paraded the long way all the way around the city before we got to the So it's very similar, then. Parents' house. I forgot about that, but yeah, yes. Yeah, that's very similar. Uh, one of the things I liked about... Um, one of the things I liked about what you did, Rebecca, was was what you how you treated the light. I mean, I know you you made the yeah. distinction between the lamps and the torches, mm-hmm. and but still the concept of the oil still needs to be there. How much oil was kind of relevant to that? Whether it was a torch mm-hmm. or a little tiny lamp, like you showed, but it was the idea that the light is like the the responsibility you felt with the the international peace light. It's right. just the that you have a, it, the faith itself is like that, and mm-hmm. so it, it's really kind of guarding that, protecting that, and transmitting that. Mm-hmm. You know, ha- passing that along. 
along is part of our readiness. Mm-hmm. Now, you connected that to the readiness uh, idea, so I, I really like that 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 idea. Is that and you had to do that last year. You actually did. Oh, me personally, yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I, well, I especially was appreciative of the work that you were talking about because I physically was the one who brought that light from Jacksonville to to yes. here. But, but just the idea of guarding that or, or mm-hmm. having your um, your your sense of ownership and responsibility for this faith, so mm-hmm. as part of our readiness, I thought it was really helpful. When that goes back to what you guys were talking about just a second ago about discipleship, you know, we there's this this mentality of discipleship is about what we take in this receptivity, but there's a responsibility for it. And I thought that that uh, I didn't make the connection to what you said today in staff meeting uh, with what you had said on Sunday, but I I you know that that is a that is a conceptual shift for a lot of people. And that's really what this parable is about, this conceptual shift. So, John, as you're approaching this uh, passage, what were you really – was there anything that you were just like really geared up to talk about, any element that you were really just excited to get get to? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I I wanted to say it very as, as bluntly and plainly as I, as I could, and I think I did, uh, which is that this is not about a wedding. Yeah, yeah that's right. <laughs> to make this really, really clear. Yeah. This is not – the wedding is the the, the – the, the platform to tell to make a larger point and i think it's a point that gets um lost yeah that we don't think about it as much we talk about it i don't think we talked about it as much this past advent as we have in other previous advents where it's the first coming and also anticipating the second coming coming of christ there but it's sort of a it's it's sort of that thing that's back there in the background and we know that it's out there but we really we we seldom bring it to the to the foreground of of thoughts and i'm I'm just estimating where where the collective we as a as a group of disciples in 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 america and uh, in in this area as well are and that just the idea of bringing that back to the forefront mm-hmm. and reminding ourselves that there is a trajectory on which we are moving. There is an end uh, of the story that will that is yet to come, and putting that before a congregation that that was much on. Obviously, it was it's, it's, it was the parable, and it was much on my mind. But just just trying to speak that in a way that that the congregation would not be a freaked out by it or 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 just yeah. obsessed by it or or just tune it out as something too too esoteric for to mm-hmm. to be useful when you really you when you started the pat the the message itself you started with the whole redemptive historical framework I did a rebecca mem yeah you did a rebecca i was thinking the exact same thing when i when i heard it i was I like man too. that's right it's like with this but it, it, you have to do that every once in a while and this mm-hmm. is the point right so there's a movement that's happening uh in redemptive history as we see it in scripture but also throughout all of human history that's headed to this point where we can say come lord jesus come and this this parable really speaks into that but you both mentioned this a bit um you you talked about it rebecca from uh this is not a scary thing and you talked about it from the standpoint of the crazy evangelist on the corner like (laughs) shouting you know repent sort of thing so I, i wonder you know how do we how do we get people to as preachers Talk about, think about, um, not accept because accept seems like so resigned, but but actually get excited about this second coming concept. Is there a way that we can? You feel like we can really um, move past this uh, this sort of taboo, almost maybe. yeah, taboo resistance almost to, to to conversations. Rebecca, what what are your have you had thoughts on that before? Oh, draw close to Jesus. I mean. Jesus doesn't seem to be scary to a lot of people, um, yeah. and that's what it's all about. Uh, we're we're going 
to Jesus, yeah. you know, who is preparing for us, who's excited, you know, and and making the way so that we can uh, spend eternity with Him. And if you keep your eyes on Jesus, it's okay. He's our shepherd. He's going to take care of us. Yeah. Uh, this is, you know, the the excitement. This is what we're all wanting. You know, no more crying, no more pain, no more death. I mean. Heaven's a, a wonderful, wonderful thought, and just to keep your eyes on Jesus. But people, I have conversations, and, and, and even devout Christians, they're scared. Oh, my gosh, yeah. They're scared. Yeah. They're not ready, you know. And and I think in part, okay, that's fine, too. You know, go ahead and wrestle with it because you need to get to the bottom of why you are scared. Yeah. Because uh, that's an important, important thing to tackle wow. uh, why we are scared. Well, I love how yeah. you just said that. I mean, let people feel how they feel so they get to the point. But they've got to, they've got to like again, live in that tension and figure mm-hmm. out why they feel like they feel. Mm-hmm. I love how you put that. Yeah, this is about those, going to Jesus. Yeah, man. the wrestling is is good for us. The wrestling yeah. is good for us because usually on the other side of wrestling is a breakthrough. Mm-hmm. You 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 get to this new understanding, which is which is which does have that what you were just talking about, Zach. That that longing for that which is beautiful. Um, the thing that is that awaits us in the future is not is is beautiful. It's mm-hmm. not a, it's not a scary thing. I think for myself that the when I think about that um, lack of attentiveness to this dimension of the faith that has yet to happen, I think part of that is is a is a reality of the world we live in now mm-hmm. you know when you've got when you've got a pace of life right now i think that i think that's one of the things that suffers is anything future oriented i mean this is true in general it's just that you know people's not saving for the for retirement financial it has, it has financial implications but it has spiritual implications as well because because things for the future are left for the future and we don't hardly think about them in the present because we're so busy with all the things of the present. And I, so part of the challenge is, is to is to have moments like we had on Sunday where we just say, okay, we're going to deal with the with the future right now, mm-hmm. and make sure that we've had a chance to to, to think about it. I, it's been interesting to me to hear that you were talking about the feedback afterwards. I've had quite a few texts and calls and, and emails as a result of that saying how basically what I'm saying has been their, their reality is that they they haven't really been thinking about. Those things, and they and they want to because they they do see it as a um, as something uh, good, and so they want to be ready in every way. So, mm-hmm. so I think it's been I think it's the what we do with the the fact that we tend to not think about things in the future until the future. Oddly enough, is that <laughs> yeah. we uh, is that we we have we we bring them up in the present. Yeah, and I, you know I think both one of the you know I've had I I remember. Teaching a, a Bible study, and there was this there was this girl in the Bible study. She was like really anti wanting to study the Book of Revelation because it was just so scary. And and it was and and to me, it's this the very first book of the Bible I ever read, like all the way through. I remember I was like 11, 12 years old. I read the Book of Revelation. Oh I read gosh. it twice through <laughs> because I was like, what what's the what's the hubbub? You know, it's like I was kind of like, you know, what what's really and what I got away from that. Now, even at that point, I don't know that I would even have said I was a true like believer in Jesus Christ or follower of Jesus Christ. I mean, the the mental was there, but the heart wasn't there. But even there, I was like, okay, well, this really just tells me that Jesus wins. Um, this this is what you really, got that out of yeah, it. That's really what, that's, that's what, good. This is really what this is telling me. So I mean, yeah, there's a lot of like weird stuff, but I think one of the things that you talked about, John, is it, one of the things that gets people so 
so much angst, I think, is that there's such widespread disagreement about yeah. what even amongst people that are very uh, educated yeah. uh, about it, very knowledgeable, gone to school. I mean, just just so just even talking about like the 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 millennia for example yeah. right i mean just so <laughs> yeah. and you brought this up in premillennial postmillennialism amillennialism pre-trib post-trib i yeah. mean it's like all this and and if we can't even get around i mean and there's probably even disagreements amongst the staff about what all that means yeah. right i mean yeah. we're not going to talk about where you're at because um that would be a different podcast but but even even that, I think for the lay folks, that gives them a sense. Some people a sense of anxiety. Yeah. But what you're saying, Rebecca, I think is really helpful and important. Is focus on the end part of it, right? So, however, all those details work out. The details are important. We a lot of th- that. That's not to say only study Revelation 21 <laughs> and forget one through 21 <laughs> because that all matters too. But if you continue to point towards Jesus and that ultimate you know, in result, uh, that's, I think that's where there's yeah. a lot more mm-hmm. sense of, and of Jesus is our shepherd. He's going to guide us through it mm-hmm. even, you know, in the process. You know, I think people forget that he's not going to just say, okay, now the end is starting. Good luck. I'll see you at the other side. <laughs> right. Right. And you know, the end has been beginning since Jesus came back the first time. You know, Jesus came the first time, right? So, so the words to keep in mind going through all of the thoughts about millennialism and tribulation and and all the letters to the churches and the vision of heaven. I, that's where I, I think those last words really are helpful. The very last words mm-hmm. Jesus spoke and are recorded is that I am coming. Yeah, Jesus says, "Yes, I am. I am coming." So it's it's not it's not a stranger. It's not some someone that we to, to be feared or cowed under. Not for us. It's it's Jesus who's Even coming. Even so, come Lord Jesus, come. Even so, and and that's the whole point of the parable is to be ready for that moment. So, if someone wanted you to sat down and talk to you and said, "Okay, so I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. What can I do to be ready now?" Like I'm ready. Like internally, I know my my soul is 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 seated with the Lord. I, you know that that my salvation is secure. Jesus isn't back yet. So this is like the Thessalonians like dilemma, right? So the the church in Thessalonica, one of their big dilemmas was Jesus is coming soon. I'm quitting my job. I'm being lazy. I'm going to just sit on a beach and wait for wait for the, it to happen. Wait for the apocalypse, right? And which I think, you know, and Paul's like, "Wait, okay, well, fine. You don't work, you don't eat," right? So that's the whole thing. So what it, what would you say, John, someone says, "Okay, John, help me um, be more ready. I'm ready." Internally, help me to be more ready. Yeah, yeah no, I, I think the, the the question of readiness really has to do with a mindset more more than anything, because it doesn't really affect the things that that, that you do. I, I hopefully, it doesn't. I mean, it might, it might need to. Some of the things might need to be asking questions about the 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 depth of our faith and the response of of the, that faith and how we live our lives and and what spiritual practices we have. And so, you might say that the, the spiritual practices might be part of that readiness uh so any of the, the scripture reading and how we worship and that we worship that we show up together in community and worship that we um that we have this pra- the practices of giving away our faith and giving away our time and giving away our monies and all the, all the things that fasting and prayer and all those things will be be part of it but mostly i think it's a it's a um it really is a mindset. Mm-hmm. It's it's just being aware that whatever it, this is very this I think this is where it gets really helpful too. Not only is it it's a mindset, but it's a mindset that kind of 
affects the the things of life day in and day out. You know, when you're dealing with a problem with a child or problem in a work or something like that, and if you somewhere got in that in the back of your mind, that perspective is that put in the grand scheme of things, this this really isn't that big of a thing. That's that to me is a person who lives ready. So you're still sweating. My example of the monk that yeah, I love that story. The monk, the monk, you're yeah. still doing the work that you do. You're just doing that with an awareness that I do it unto the Lord, yeah. you know, and I'm just going to live my life, but I'm going to do it unto the Lord, which means I'm aware of and I'm mindful of the Lord day in and day out. So I think that there's practices, spiritual practices that go with go with it, an awareness of the presence of God moment by moment that goes, goes with it. But all of that really points to this thinking about uh, God on a regular basis throughout our days. Yeah. What about you, Rebecca? How how would you answer that question? What can I do to be ready? Um, assuming I'm already a believer, assuming mm-hmm. I'm excited about Christ, and but what can I do to further my readiness, so to speak, for His return? Be intentional about relationships with God and with others. I mean, mm. um, but really, just being in- intentional about your relationship with God and the other will flow out of that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess that's what I would say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> keep it, keep it, right down, boil it down. But, just think, but, you know, but there's a lot to that, though. Yes, you're, what you're yes. saying, there's a and, lot I mean, to that. Our response is worship, and worship is in so many ways. It's not just coming and, and singing a praise song. I mean, worship is everything we do and everything we are. I mean, it's how we live our lives, um, and that flows from that relationship. Uh, with God, yeah, and I think one of the things it's it's intentionality is um, something that we talk about a lot. I think as believers, we talk about it. I always wonder how many, and I and I can put myself in this: how many people uh, aren't doing, aren't living life intentionally? They have moments of intentionality, but when they wake up in the morning, they're saying, "Okay, today." Uh, as Paul puts it, whether I eat or drink or whatever I'm do, whatever I do, I'm going to do it unto, unto the, the Lord. Lord. Mm-hmm. So, what does that look like for me today? It doesn't mean I stop eating or stop drinking unless you're, you know, practicing spiritual fast, you know, it's fasting in some way. But, but even that is there's an intentionality. I think one of the things that we do when we preach is to help give people the tools of intentional discipleship right. Monday through Saturday yeah. um, and, and Sunday as well too. But, but it's a, this idea of helping them live as intentional followers of Jesus, mm-hmm. not just accidental followers of Jesus or, 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 or uh, cultural followers of Jesus, because here in, in the sunshine state, there's still a cultural Christianity. I mean, um, it's not a, to sell to tell some to say to someone or someone to say to someone else i'm a christian is not a weird thing here it's becoming less and less prevalent other mm-hmm. places but but as a result there's a lot of just you know i go to church on sunday i'm a christian that's the that's the beginning and the end of my faith journey um and then so. there's the polar opposite risk too of becoming so works oriented yeah. like uh yeah. that you're not resting in jesus as well yeah. so you you have to make sure that you keep the main thing, the main thing. Yeah. Well, and it's like living in, again, we used to talk, go full circle. We live in that tension mm-hmm. of we are saved by grace, but that, that the result of that is this, this fruit, this, this life lived. Um, but if you go too far in that right. direction, you feel just, like you're in this it. book that uh, Pastor Rebecca and I are, are I just finished uh, Dallas Willard's uh, the great, the great omission. I wrote this down because I was just thinking about this for this, yeah. this 
podcast today, one of the quotes in there was that currently, he says, currently we are not only saved by grace, we are paralyzed by it. Ooh. Wow. So I thought that was great, great line. Probably the best line of the, the entire book. And the idea is that the, he, what he was making the case for is that you know we we act like works shouldn't. You'd hardly even talk about talk, doing works. And he said, no, works are the natural outpouring of the of the the life that is responding to the grace of God. So, mm-hmm. but we're we're like, oh, you can't do any, you can't do works. Can't they don't count? They don't count. We're so e- eager to say that. It's like, no, no, we do lots of things in the faith, and and so we do lots of works in in the faith, not in order to gain the faith, not in order to gain acceptance, but as a result of the the faith that's already there. And I love how there's so much of a movement back to this idea that our lives are lived with intentionality of the grace of God in our lives. And and, and uh, one of my favorite books, I probably read it three times through, is that Tish Warren, The Liturgy of the Ordinary, um, mm. which is just a great devotional book where she uh, she's an Episcopal priest, but she goes through her day, and I'm talking like with her kids, and fi- I mean, she goes through every aspect of her day just um, ref- at the end of the day reflecting wow. on the wow. liturgy of her Christianity from finding her car keys to packing up her kids uh-huh. lunch to going i mean that whole but that's that's the level of intentionality yeah. I, I go back and reread that because one it's it's really just a great it's a very easy book to get through but it's also reminds me of the intentionality of making my bed to the glory of god and yeah. and, and not to get Again, works righteousness oriented no, with it, no, but, but because a, of this, but that's it. Grace, that's yeah. that. That's that mindset. It reminds me of an old movie um, called Secret of Rowan Inish. It's about an Irish. Uh, it's an Irish setting, but this woman was um, was going about her chores, and but she was saying these mm-hmm. these prayers about the chores that she's doing. Mm-hmm. She's sweeping the ashes into the into the fireplace, and she's saying these prayers. You know that that is. And another book that I've been looking at lately is Every Moment Holy, mm-hmm. which has similar to the one the liturgy you were just talking about. It has prayer. For all kinds of events throughout throughout life, but it's that that's the idea. Those at every single moment, you know, when we're pulling into our workplaces, could we not be pr- praying? When we're about to go into a meeting, could we not be aware of God's presence with us in that meeting? Those types of things. Yeah, yeah. What a what a great what a great week. Mm-hmm. What a great parable to unpack. Uh, lots of stuff uh, from a parable about uh, a, a bunch of virgins waiting for a bridegroom to celebrate. I mean, it's just there's a lot of cool stuff. This week, Pastor John is in a classic service once again. I'm in Vine. Um, um, Rebecca, you're assisting in Classic, is that yes. correct? Yeah, so um, we're excited about this week um, coming up. And uh, if you've missed any one of our sermons in this series or any one of our series, be sure to check out our website, fpclakeland.org, and click on the Sermon Archive tab for both Classic and Vine services. Complete services are there. If you've missed any one of our episodes of Armchair Preaching, go to uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, the Google, Stitcher, um, or SoundCloud. Uh, Be sure to hit subscribe, like, and share it with your friends. Uh, It's a great way to supplement your your understanding of the scripture that we've preached this week. And uh, man, uh, Rebecca, thank you for coming. Uh, John, thanks for being here. You do that outro so effortlessly. It's just, it's 56 times in the making. And uh, the intro, I do it every single, and people say, oh, you know, pre-record the intro. Nope, nope, nope. It is fresh every single week. It sounds exactly the same. Thank you guys. And uh, we'll see everybody again next week.